0: Hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. You know, from time to time, you'll watch a movie or you'll be involved in a sporting event, and and for some reason, you don't get to the end of it. Sometimes it happens on an airplane, right? You've been on the plane, you're like, I don't think I have enough time to see the whole movie, but I'll go ahead and get this thing started. And sure enough, is isn't long before you land, you know, get the tray tables, put them up, put the electronic devices away, and you got almost to the end of the movie. Or you've been in a sporting event and, and you're like, oh, it's it's a great game, it's a great thing going on, but I I, I got to get out, I, I got to go, I got to go. It, it happens, and, and then what happens is we're like, well, what happened? Wait a minute, what, what happened? Because sometimes on those movies on airplanes, you, the movie's there, and maybe you don't have access to the movie, and and now you're wondering, well, whatever happened? It was a great movie. I was engaged. It looked like a an incredible ending, but I didn't get to see it, and you're like, man, what happened? This is how I felt last week when I left here, because Pastor Ron uh, walked us through this incredible message, and uh, about the, the Jesus and the disciples going across the Sea of Galilee, and there they engaged a demon-possessed man, and, he, and, and that's kind of where it ended. And I'm, I left thinking, well, what happened? Wait, wait, it's a great story, but what happened? You, you've had that at some point in your life, right? I mean, just this last Wednesday night, Sharon and I, my wife, we were catching the f- uh, finale of America's Got Talent, and we're wanting to see if we want to take a run at it next year. And uh, I'm like, you know, it, it went from like 7 to 9 p.m. And so 7 to 8 was kind of the recap, and I thought, man, I, I'm done. I'm, I'm like, I'm an early bed kind of guy, and so I'm like, I'm going to bed. She's like, all right, I'm going to stay up and, and see what happened. And, and uh, at some point after that, I don't know what time it was, she came to bed. I would already dozed off, and she says, you're not going to believe it, but like the dog act one AGT I'm like wait what what happened the dog act one AGT like what does this say for us humans <laughs> but you've been there right you're like now okay no what 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 happened man when I left last week that was what I want to know what what happened there's more to the story and Pastor Ron's goal was not to tell us at the end of the story he just got us started at the at the beginning of the story and the disciples crossing the sea the storm that we find there in Mark 4 and 5. But what I want us to just take a look at is then in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, uh, Jesus is taking his disciples on a short-term mission trip. In fact, he does this quite often in the scriptures. We know that he took his disciples through Samaria. And here's an example of him taking the guys on a short-term mission trip. And this is significant for us because we must understand that Disciple-making and growing with Christ is more than absorbing kingdom content. So leading up to this portion of Scripture, Jesus has been teaching kingdom principles. And they've been absorbing that. And so it's like Jesus is saying, all right, we've absorbed enough. Now let's take the opportunity to engage in kingdom conduct. In other words, let's take what we have heard, this kingdom learning, and let's express it into kingdom living. Absorbing is good, and we do a lot of absorption in the West, and that's a good thing. And we see Jesus teaches his disciples, so as they absorb this, Jesus is like, okay, enough of kingdom precepts, let's get going with kingdom practices, let's get in the boat. Look at what happens in Mark 4, 35. The Scripture says that on that day when evening had come, Jesus, he says to them, let's go across to the other side. This is a very important thing that's happening as they get into the boat. It's evening time and they begin the journey, a six to eight mile journey, likely across to the other side. Now, sociologists would call this crossing a liminal space. Liminal space. A, a liminal space is a, is, is a space between what was and what's next. Liminality is what sociologists call this type. Of trip. It's an ordeal. It's often filled with uncertainty, with fear, with risk. There's something going on in spaces of liminality that don't happen in other areas of life. And so when those guys get in the boat and they head across the sea, it's a liminal journey. And, and we've had those liminal journeys in our own lives, right? Maybe, maybe when we were dating or when we got married or you remember when you had the children, if you've had children, and boy, that was a whole Level of liminality, right? It, it it's in between. There's uncertainty. There's risk. There's, you it's an ordeal. But sometimes we've had it in our career. We've changed jobs. Some of us had retired. That's a that's a liminal process. Liminality is a place of transition, and it's also a place of transformation in our life. But 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 the reality is is that fear will call us. Will 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 challenge us to push back from spaces and, germ- and, and journeys of liminality. We, we resist that. It's natural to resist things that are risky, uncertain, right? It's, it's natural. I don't know about you, but it's natural for me. I think it's a gift. And so fear begins to come in, and so there's resistance to spaces and, and journeys of liminality, even though in those areas, that, that, that ordeal, that uncertainty, that risk is often the places where we grow the most where we experience things in life that we don't experience when we don't leave the shore and cross to the other side. And so fear causes the tendency to resist the opportunity that creates the transition and the transformation in us. Jesus is like, fellas, get in the boat. We're going to the other side. I love what Bob Goff said. He says this, don't let what you're afraid of keep you from what you were made for. Don't let what you're afraid of to keep you from what you are made for. Man, like those early disciples, those guys that got in the boat with Jesus that night and they began the journey. Of course, the storm arose and and Pastor Ron had incredible insight about that whole ordeal. But, But like those early disciples, there are some things that we will only learn about Christ in liminal spaces. He takes them on a journey, and he, he exposes some fear, and, and what he's trying to do is strengthen their faith. Somebody said that Jesus is not safe, but he is satisfying. He isn't safe, but he is satisfying. Well, you kind of know the story as they land uh, on the shore and, and they get out of the boat. They're, they're met by a man. They're met by a man, and so some things we know about this man is that it looks like he's from the area. He's from the region. It's likely he's a Gentile man, but but mostly the Scripture talks about he is a demon-possessed man. And his encounter with Jesus changes everything in his life. The encounter with Christ changes everything. As as he comes and he meets Christ and and Christ ministers and he casts out the legion, the man is cleansed and he's clothed and he's, he's commissioned. He, he's cleansed, right? That demon is gone, and he's clothed. In fact, the Scripture says that when they came out to see the man, he's, he's sitting there, and he's in his right mind, and he's clothed. Now, certainly he's clothed physically, but there's a spiritual element as if Jesus has removed the shame. And then Jesus commissions the man. Th- this is what I want to focus on. He commissions the man. We see that in Mark chapter 5, 17 through 19. I'll begin reading in verse 14, but you can catch up with me on the screens in verses 17 and 19, just to give you some context. Verse 14 says, The herdsmen fled after the demon-possessed and the pigs had drowned in the sea, and they told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what what had happened. And they came to Jesus, and they saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there clothed and in his right mind. And you know what the Scripture says? I underlined this. And they were afraid. Really? This man has been running crazy and cutting himself and scaring people for years. Now he's clothed and in his right mind, and now you're afraid? It's an interesting contradiction, isn't it? Verse 16, the Scripture says, And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. Here it is, verse 17. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from the region. And as he, speaking of Jesus, was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with the demons begged him that he might be with him. Verse 19, And Jesus did not permit him to do so, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And the man went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Wow. it's an incredible story, right? It's an incredible story. In this story, just a couple of things I want to extract. There in, in verse 19, notice what Jesus tells the man. After all this has happened, the guy runs to Jesus and says, I want to go with you. And Jesus gave him a hard no. He's like, no, you're not going with me. I'm leaving. You're staying. But Jesus tells the man, he gives him some instructions. This is the commission. I want you to go home and to your own people. Very important. Go home. Greek word oikos. Look at oikos. It means a household, uh, an inhabited house, or a home. It's not a yogurt, even though you may eat oikos yogurt, right? You're like, I love it. Now, it, it goes a little deeper than that in the New Testament, right? It's a household, a home, a gathering. The Greeks called their inner circle of biological and extended family, they called that the oikos. Oikos are the 8 to 12 to 15 people that you constantly interact with in your world. Maybe it's family members. Maybe it's someone in your office. Maybe it's your gardener. Maybe it's your, hopefully it's not your doctor, right? Maybe it's your dentist. Maybe it's a teacher. It's someone in your world that consistently you interact with. That's what the word means. There's a a connection there that you have, right? Maybe someone on your kid's sports team, but there's an interconnection of 8 to 10 to 12 to 15 people. This oikos is very, very, very important in the New Testament. So in other words, Michael Green in the evangelism in the early church says this. He talks about how the New Testament church vigorously adhered To the Oikos principle as its primary strategy for kingdom advancement. Now, I want you to hear that. The early church, the DNA of who we are, the early church vigorously adhered to the Oikos principle as a strategy for church growth. Much of what we experience today is loosely New Testament. These things we call houses of worship and the buildings that sometimes they, they, they take over our lives and our ministry and, and our attention and our focus. That is really a more of a Constantinian idea, about 300, 350 A.D. The early church focused on households, oikos. So we see that in Acts chapter 5, verse 42. Notice what the Scripture says. And every day in the temple and from house to house, oikos. Notice what happened. They did not cease teaching and preaching that Jesus, that the Christ is Jesus. That was the strategy, oikos. This is what Jesus tells the man to do. Go to your home, go to your household, and then go to your friends. Go to the people close to you. This is very important because in the early church, what they begin to understand is that is that those early believers, when they embraced the message of faith and they demonstrated to their friends and family their oikos, the receptivity of the gospel exponentially grew. The new church was not a church of addition. It was a church of multiplication, all based around an oikos principle. Tom Mercer, speaking about the oikos principle, says this, 95% of Christian conversions are generated through a personal relationship that is shared between a believer and someone who is close to them. 95% of people who come to faith in Christ, it's based upon a personal, trusted relationship generally within the Oikos network. Even the larger crusades that our country is known for, right, these large crusades, if you go back years, the Billy Graham crusades, more popular today and more prominent uh, are the crusades. Uh, Who's the gentleman? Greg Laurie does crusades. Much of the work of the crusade world is based upon personal relationship, prepping, praying, inviting, bringing. You know what's interesting about the story is what I want you to see is that you and I have access to people and places that may not welcome Jesus. I want you to think about that. You and I have relationships. You engage in places. They may not welcome Jesus, but they welcome you and I. They trust us. That's one of the key points of the story, right? The, pe- the people said, you got to go. Leave. In fact, the Bible says they begged him to leave. Jesus accommodated the request. He left the people in the region. But you know what he did? He also left a kingdom ambassador there. So I want you to think about that in your world. What places, what relationships, what people, you might think they're not open to Jesus. In fact, I I don't even need to really mention the name Jesus to these people. He's not welcome here. He isn't, but maybe you are as a kingdom ambassador, staying in the region where people know you. It's what Jesus did. He left, right? He didn't resist. He didn't get bristly about the whole thing. He's like, I'm not going anywhere, planting a flag here. He, didn't. he left, but he left a kingdom ambassador. Let me just say this. May those who know us but don't know Jesus come to know Jesus because they know us kind of the point of the story, right? Notice what Jesus tells the man to do. Gives him some simple instructions. Notice what he says. He says, I want you to tell everybody all the incredible things that the Lord has done for you and the mercy he has shown you. That was the mission, right? That's it. That's it. I want you to go to your oikos And I want you to tell them the incredible things the Lord has done in your life, which would have been evident, right? And the mercy He has shown. If you just take a moment and you try to picture the man and you picture the scene, a demon-possessed man cutting himself, living in the tombs, I think we would encounter a man that, that every day when he woke up, if he slept, he was hopeless. He, there was nothing in his life. Jesus gave him a new life. He, he gave him a new life. He, he gave him a new beginning. He covered his shame, and he gave him a new mission, a new purpose in life. And, and that's the thing, same thing that Jesus will do for you and I. He will take the things and the hopelessness that we experience and the disconnection and the trouble that we go through, and Jesus will transform that by the power of who he is. And this is what he does in the man's life, and he says, I want you to tell people exactly what the Lord has done. By the way, Ephesians chapter 1 is a great chapter to read if you have forgot the things the Lord has done. Ephesians 1, there's about 15 things there that the Lord has already done. So if you're not sure, if you've forgotten, okay, get back in Ephesians 1, read the chapter, highlight, underline, circle some of the incredible things that the Lord has done. And then he says, I want you to tell them that the mercy the Lord had on you. The Greek word Elias here, the, this word means to relieve suffering. It's compassion in action. This man was suffering, was he not? Can you imagine the suffering, the hopelessness that he experienced in this life? And folks, people in our world, and maybe you're even here tonight, and you're experiencing that hopelessness in your own life. You experience that. Jesus will meet us at that hopelessness, and he will give us a new direction, a new hope, a new reason for living. He tells the man, here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell people how much the Lord's done for you and the mercy that he's had on you. Look at Mark 5.20. Here's what happens. And the man went away. And he began to proclaim in the Decapolis. The Decapolis were probably ten Gentile cities. He began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and every one marveled. Ha! He did it. He did what Jesus told him to do. Do you see it? In fact, he took it further than I think Jesus even suggested. He's that guy. He took it further than actually the Lord. The Lord said, go to your family, to Oikos, and go to that inner circle. This guy is evangelizing ten cities. People are amazed. They're, They're marveled at what the man is doing, who he is, how his life has changed. He did it. Now we know what happened. I can sleep. Now I know. The man obeyed. He went. He did what Jesus told him to do and he goes to an entire region and a fun fact a fun fact he is likely the first gentile missionary likely no bible college no seminary no mdiv with biblical language no phd he just goes and he does what Jesus tells him to do. Every believer is qualified to proclaim what the Lord has done and the mercy they have received. Every believer that's been touched by Christ is already qualified to share how the Lord has touched you, changed you, and shown mercy, shown compassion on your life. You are qualified already. You're already qualified. Someone said, God, He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. This past Sunday, as I was wondering, okay, what happened? You know, kind of refreshing the memory. I met a lady out here in the parking lot. And she pulled in and I knew her and her husband's story recently and so she pulled in and I knew they probably weren't gonna be able to stay for church. They usually come to the first service there uh and one of our a uh, little bit older couples and man, they've been through it. He's recently had two or three strokes and he he's just not well at all. And she was coming uh, last Sunday, not to attend, but she was coming to to drop off their tithe and offering here and support the ministry. And so I, I caught her as she came in and and just chatted with her for a few minutes. I knew a little bit about what had happened in their life. I talked to her on the phone and said, well, how's how's he doing, her husband? She said, well, he's in the car. He probably won't recognize you, but give it a shot. So I went out and said hi to him. He recognized me, and <clears throat> we had a brief conversation. Then I came back in, and she was still in the foyer. And she said, Pastor, it's been tough. In fact, we've, we've moved out of our home, and now we're in an assisted living center here in the area. And uh, you know what that's called, by the way? Liminality. It's a, it's a liminal journey, right? Remember, there's some uncertainty. It's a little bit of an ordeal. You, you, you've been through them, but spiritually, they're valuable in our lives. And she says, yeah, we're in, we're in another place here, and we're out of our home. It, it, we didn't see this coming. But she says, I think the Lord has us there for a reason. She said, I I, I think the Lord has us there for us to be light in that place. I think the Lord has us there as his ambassadors. I, I, I think the Lord has us there to do his work in that place. Even though they'll probably never go back home, I don't know that. Hopefully they get to, but we're not sure. But in the meantime and in between time, her attitude is where he has us, that's where we will serve him. That's where we will share what He's done in our lives. That's where we will share the power of His mercy. Let me give you two practical applications. Number one, let me ask you a question. Who is in your oikos? Who is in your oikos, your world, your network? You're going to see them tomorrow. You're going to see them Monday. You, You have a meeting with them on Wednesday. Who is it? I love the quote by Margaret Feinberg. Always be suspicious that God is up to something. When you enter into that oikos, those relationships, the the person at work, when you run into somebody that you're, huh, when you see your neighbor, always be suspicious in a good way, right? (laughs) No bad suspicious, neighbors. Always be suspicious. Maybe God's up to something, and maybe God. He's going to use me to speak into this, sharing the goodness of the Lord and how good that the Lord has been to me. couple action steps, okay? Remember, absorption of kingdom content is very good. We need it. But kingdom conduct is equally important. Here's, here's one of the applications I want you to take away. Would you be willing, if you're, if you're thinking of somebody, you're like, oh, yeah, I do have that meeting Tuesday with... Okay, cool. Here's what I want you to do. Would you be willing to pray for that person? And maybe when you run into them, if it's intentional or unintentional, would you maybe if you get the chance just show and just care for them in some simple way? In some simple way, right? Just serve them in a simple way. And then if the Lord leads you, would you share something? Share something, you know? You could do that. Pray could care and you can share i I think that's kind of what we see the man in the story we we don't even know his name imagine getting in the bible and we don't even know your name you're like ah that's a tough one he's in the bible we don't know his name but this is a man who is out working sharing i wouldn't challenge you to do that this week pray for him care for him if you get a chance share with them. like pastor why can i share well you can share anything, but you can share something maybe that God leads you to share. So, for example, if you're like, man, I'd love to invite them to something at our church. I, I, I don't, I, it's awkward sometimes. I don't know how to do it. Let me help you. Okay, here in a couple weeks, in fact, it's next Friday night. We're having what we're just calling a parenting date night. Listen, and you don't have to have kids to show up to the parent date night. You don't have to have children to show up. If you're, if you're dating or you're married, we would love you to attend. But we would also love you to say, "Hey, I'm not only planning to attend, but I'm going to invite, and I'm going to invite some people to come with me." Right? You can sign up, use a QR code, you can use, sign up on the website, sign up through the DPC app. But here's an opportunity to say, "All right, some people in my oikos, I'm going to invite them in. I'm going to invite them in." Also, on March 14th and 15th, we're calling it Awaken Weekend. We're going to have a message on the power of God's grace. And if you have somebody in your network who, who maybe you're not sure they know the Lord or they know the Lord and they're not walking with the Lord or you're not even sure, I challenge you to invite them that weekend. The whole message will be on God's grace and how God loves us and he has shown us his love through Jesus Christ. So if, you're, if you've got someone on your heart, you're like, man, I'd love to invite them in. Any weekend would be fantastic, but the 14th and 15th is kind of geared toward bringing people in your oikos, your world, who would be encouraged by understanding deeper the grace of God in our lives. Who, who, who's in your oikos, your world, your circle? 10 to 15 people in your world. Second challenge is this. What would it look like for you and I to proclaim what He has done and the mercy He has shown? What, what would that look like this week? What would that look like? Could be a little nerve-wracking, right? Sure. But if the Lord opens the door, a simple, simple testimony of how the Lord's helped you or, 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 or sh- shared His grace with you or encouraged you or how the Lord has been there for you, what would it look like to share that this week with somebody? And just share His mercy. It's His compassion in action. What's it look like for you and I to go to the other side, right? The other side of the, of the room, the other side of the street, the other side of the driveway, the other side of the office, the other side of the gym. What's it look like for us to be people who go to the other side? I want you to bow our heads in prayer, and just I want you to just let that resonate just for a moment. Who are the people in your world, your network? Could be family, could be close friends, could be someone you work with, someone that you interact with at, at the gym. Could be someone that you're involved in, you know, some type of craft club. It, the, the, the opportunities are endless, but who is in your world, in your world, that you could pray for right now? Say, Father, I pray for them. And then, when given the appropriate opportunity, you could care for them some form, some fashion. You could serve them in a simple way, or you could send them just a, a really encouraging text shoot them a phone call, some way that they know, hey, they care. And then what could you share with them? What could you share? Something simple yet significant from your journey that the Lord is showing you. Maybe you're reading a, a passage of Scripture. Maybe there's something in an devotional that you'll run across this week, or maybe there's a song that touched you, and you're like, man, I just, I just want to share this with them. Who's in your world? Second of all, think about the amazing things the Lord has done for you and I. Again, Ephesians 1 has a list of incredible spiritual blessings that we've already been blessed with. Because of the grace and the love of Christ, it's our inheritance. Maybe you just need to read that this week, just every morning. Just, I'm just going to read Ephesians 1, just to be reminded of the incredible goodness of God in my life. And how has He shown you mercy? How has the Father been compassionate to you like the man in the story? How has your interaction with Jesus, how has He cleansed you, clothed you, and commissioned you? To be that kingdom ambassador in a space where he may not even be welcome. Father, give us the grace, the courage, as we journey on this life, to be a people who go to the other side. We go to the other side. And Father, we meet you there, and we meet those who need to meet you as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.